to Two Sweet Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is June 1st, and it is episode 21 of the Two Sweet Wrestling Podcast. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, I'm ready to get right on into this. The first topic will be the regression of the women's revolution. I'm going to get into that, but first, I'm going to get a little house cleaning out of the way you can find me on YouTube. This will be broadcast on YouTube. All you have to do is type in OMG space Corey space B in the search bar and there I am. And this will also be broadcasted on CastBox. You can feel free to check that out as well. On Twitter, you can find me at 2 Pod. That's the number 2, Sweet, P-O-D, and at OMG Corey B. So let's get right on into this. First, we're going to start with... The too fast, too furious topic of the day. And my goodness, <laughs> The Undertaker got an Instagram. So we're going to get right on into this. We're going to put one minute on the clock. I'm going to move on to our other topics of the day. So I'm just casually browsing through my Twitter. And, you know, going up and down the normal day, seeing what's up with my wrestling family. And I see that The Undertaker has an Instagram. Look, I, at first, I thought it was a joke. You know, it's like one of them jokes that get you to click on it and like it's something else or something. Or it's, it's one of them fake accounts where they, they're trying to be a wrestler and it's really somebody else. But no, it's really The Undertaker. Look, I guess... I guess John Cena got to him when he was talking about Michelle Koo's Instagram. You on Michelle Koo's Instagram. Undertaker just couldn't take the pressure anymore. Like, what is Undertaker going to be... Instagram and LOL. <laughs> what is rest in peace, LOL? What is he gonna be talking about on Instagram? And like to this point, just kayfabe is dead. Like Undertaker was the standard barrier of keeping kayfabe alive. Now he has Instagram on social media. You got to be kidding me, man. You got to be kidding me. That's a minute, and I don't even feel like going into further on that. So let's start off. With our topics of the day. We're going to start off with the regression of the women's revolution. This one is not entirely something that I take pleasure in talking about. But it's just something that I've noticed. That I have just couldn't help but to notice ever since starting with Wrestlemania. And maybe a few months before that. This revolution that we had going on that looked so strong, it is just falling apart. And I'll start right at the top. I think it all started with the Riot Squad and Absolution. When the Riot Squad and Absolution debuted, they came out very heavy on the scene, on the scene, and it was a great debut. They were both great debuts, but Slowly but surely, I remember saying this at the start of both of their debuts. As it went on, WWE started to rush it really fast. They both dominated Raw and SmackDown. And then within like a month, the roster fought back and fought them off. And I was like, well, man, that was just too too soon. You have like a months of storylines to get through and you just did it in like a month. And obviously, as it would have it, they rushed through all those storylines to get to the Women's Royal Rumble. And in the long run, this has really devalued the women's division. As we move on here, looking at 
where I started at, where I talked about WrestleMania season is where it just really started to fall apart and where it's continuing to fall apart. First, we're going to look at Sasha and Bailey. Sasha and Bailey was on a roll uh, months before WrestleMania. Everybody thought it was going to be before the title. Everybody was waiting on that heel turn. Everybody wanted it so bad. Whether it was Sasha or Bailey, I went back and forth. First, I thought it was Sasha that needed the heel turn. Then I said, what, what, they need to go ahead and turn Bailey. Have her have a dark character like Stinghead. I thought that that would have been a fantastic move. And we waited and we waited and we waited and we waited until we got nothing. And it really damaged Sasha and Bailey because people really wanted to see this match. They really wanted to see it happen. And sitting there in the summer, they're still teasing well, Sasha and Bailey has tension and all of that stuff. Like, I remember tweeting out about a month ago, maybe a few weeks ago, that I'm no longer interested in Sasha and Bailey because I have no interest in what they have going on in their storylines. And that's a shame because when I think Sasha and Bailey, I think TakeOver. That, that, that fantastic matchup that they had in. I was endeared to those two ever since then. And now I'm at a point to where I just do not care about those two because of the storylines and the booking that they've been put through. And now, as it says at the moment, Sasha and Bailey get no reaction when their music hits. I, oh, sidetrack here. Michael Cole in that It's Boss Time. Oh, my goodness. I just want to rake out my hair every time I say that. As soon as he say it's, I need to mute the TV. So that's that's a side point, side note. But stand on track here. I just don't have any interest left in them. The fans don't have any interest left in them, it seems like, as well. So moving on. Seeing as though we didn't get Sasha and Bailey at WrestleMania for the title, what we did get for the title was Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss. Now, at the time of the storyline, I talked about how I was not interested in it whatsoever. This whole bullying storyline, I did not like it. I did not find it interesting. And I also went on to say that I did not think their match would be good because they are two wrestlers that need carrying. And like Nia Jax has to be carried in the match. Alexa Bliss is not all that great in the match, in a, in a wrestling match, if you ask me. She's not bad, but she's not all that great when it comes to wrestling ability, in my opinion. That's just my humble opinion. I'm not trying to bag on her or anything like that. It's just my opinion. Her personality is what shines out more than her in-ring ability. And as Faith would have it, they did have a bad match. And ultimately, of course, Nia Jax overcame the bullying storyline or what have you. She went on to defend her title again. She overcame that and it's like, oh yeah, she's overcoming bullying and she gave this big be a star speech after her title defense and it was so cheesy that the crowd just started booing they couldn't buy into it anymore. So, that hurt Nia right then and there. We're gonna get into what's really hurting her later on. So looking at that, that was blown. Sasha and Bailey was blown. Nia and Alexa was blown. So now we're moving on to Asuka and Charlotte. You want to know why we get in these positions to where we say, man, nobody has any type of momentum. Well, let's look at Asuka and Charlotte. At WrestleMania, 
Asuka is going into it with the streak. Everybody assumed that, okay, Asuka's going to win here. It's going to maintain the streak. And I don't know what they were on at that WrestleMania. They were just doing surprise shocks out of nowhere just to, just to surprise shock the marks. But Asuka and Charlotte had a wonderful, beautiful match. <laughs> just an insane match. One of the best matches at WrestleMania that year. Or this past WrestleMania. And surprisingly, Charlotte taps Asuka out. It was just a shock. That was one of the shocking, most shocking results of the night. Right up there with, with Brock Lesnar getting the win on Roman Reigns. It was a shocking result. So, right then and there, Asuka was, I don't want to say she was done, but that was her moment. That was really Asuka's big moment that she had to win. She needed to have a big moment. Just like Nakamura is in the midst of needing to have a big moment. Asuka needed to have that WrestleMania moment. She didn't get it, so she lost momentum there. So, you're thinking, okay, Asuka lost momentum, but Charlotte sure gained it. She gained everything in the world. She broke the streak. She made Asuka tap out, and now she's just on top of the world. There's nothing else you can do. She's on top of the world. So, right as you're thinking that, Carmella comes out and cashes in on Charlotte. And I'm not here to say that, okay... That's what killed Charlotte's momentum. But I am here to say that, boy, we sure would have been better off had Carmella cast in at WrestleMania. I've thought this all along. If Carmella casts in at WrestleMania, the streak stays alive. The streak of Oscar never being pinned or submitted stays alive. Charlotte loses, but loses in a fluky way, and she gets to have a rematch. Obviously, all of that happened anyways, but in a worse way with Charlotte losing after beating the streak. Carmella came down, cashed in, and Carmella and Charlotte just had one of the most horrible matches in which Carmella in which Charlotte got her rematch, and Charlotte lost clean in the middle of the ring. So within Three moments. You broke the streak. You took away Charlotte's momentum somewhat when Carmella cashed in after Charlotte broke the streak. And you completely took away Charlotte's momentum when she had that horrible match with Carmella and lost dead set in the middle of the ring. So, moving on, all Charlotte, all Charlotte is doing right now is sitting backstage with Becky Lynch and moving on to Becky Lynch Becky Lynch is the Cleveland Browns of the WWE like I don't know how, how familiar you are with the NFL but the Cleveland Browns would be 0-15 0-14 you're thinking okay if the Browns could just win one game it won't look embarrassing and they get that one game it's like yes the Browns won one game and like Becky Lynch won the other week and it was like oh yes Becky won and uh, She's on a massive losing streak. Hopefully that changes. We'll see about that. So what's left over? The Iconics are left over. They had a good debut when they cost Charlotte her title. But they ended up getting tapped out in their first couple of matches. Or losing their first couple of matches clean as well. So they were not necessarily down in twos. But that's not the kind of debut that you want to make. Not the 
necessarily the type of big debut that you want to make. And all that was for not after Charlotte lost to Carmella, dead set in the middle of the ring. So, like, I, it's hard pressed for me to look at any one woman in the women's division and say that they are doing a bang up job with them. I mean, Carmella, she has the title, but she's about to face Oscar. Oscar, they they blew it at WrestleMania. Where they either should have had Oscar win or let Carmella cash in on Charlotte at WrestleMania. Oscar has hasn't had the same momentum ever since. I don't know what's gonna happen at Money in the Bank. We'll see. I'm not really feeling Carmella's reign. It's just nobody has any type of momentum except I guess you gotta go all the way down to Ember Moon. Like she's the only one that I can think of at the moment that I look at and I say, okay. She has some momentum going for her. She's doing some things. They're doing some things with her. But she's just gotten there. So let's see how that plays out. Other than that. I mean who's left? Naomi's left. But she's just in a dance off. So what are they really doing with her? The only thing they're doing with Naomi is having her interfere in the Usos matches. Oh and how could I forget? Ronda Rousey is one that had momentum. Oh, she has momentum, but WWE and their bright thinking, they want to rush things at the upfronts. Ronda Rousey gets shoved into a match with Nia Jax, a match that she does not deserve. WWE, what are they thinking? And this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is the icing on the cake to this conversation. Nia Jax goes from being a bully to complaining about bullies, to going back to being a bully this past week on Monday Night Raw. And now they're in a situation at Money in the Bank to where if Nia Jax wins, you ruin Ronda Rousey's momentum. But if Ronda Rousey wins, Nia Jax has a meaningless a championship run. So, and, and you put them in a match, a singles match, to where both of them need to be carried in the match. Ronda Rousey's brand spanking new in a singles match. She doesn't even have that under her belt. Now, Jax can't wrestle a singles match that greatly. And neither of them can target a mic. It's like, I don't understand how they see these things. I don't understand why they put themselves in this situ- in these type of situations. So, I, the regression of the women's revolution is not exactly something that I say and like I take pride into because... I was invested in a lot of these women. It's arguably the best that the women have ever been treated in WWE. But we've just seen a massive regression and I hope that it changes. So moving on. We have Eli Drake. We have the Eli Drake contract. His contract is set to come up this weekend and look this is massive news because going from PWI inside of this as they said uh, the contract is expiring this weekend Eli Drake and Impact officials have been talking an offer has been made an offer is on the table but there hasn't been anything said yet as to if Eli will agree to the offer or if they will come to an agreement. Uh, first of all, 
I like to say that we should not be, and when I say we, I say we ass. If you if you're an Impact Wrestling fan, if you're looking at the story at the moment, you should not be. Don't don't take the easy cheese and bash Eli Drake. Uh, he has the right as a free agent, as a wrestler, as a human being, as a worker, to let his contract expire. Now, does that mean that? He's going to jump somewhere else? No, it doesn't mean that he's going to jump somewhere else. It just means that his contract is up. So his contract is up. Like if he does leave, it would be a huge departure. Uh, Eli Drake is arguably the top talk- talker in the game. I got him and The Miz as the top talkers in the game. Best, best promo and best guys on the stick in all of wrestling. So, it would be a huge departure. Eli Drake can really wrestle as well. It's kind of an Elias effect. If you ask me, his wrestling ability gets so overlooked because of how great his personality is. But he's a fantastic wrestler as well. Um, We'll see how it plays out. There were reports out at one point that WWE was interested I don't know how that will play out. There's a part of me that worries that they wouldn't use Eli Drake right if he went to WWE. And I think it's fair when people say that people have the right to go to WWE. Yes, they do. They do. Sure, they do. But fans do have the right to say that. Man, I'm scared as to what will happen if he does. Kind of like with Bobby Lashley. I felt that if he went to WWE, you know, there was always this... Will they use him right? He has the ability. He has the talking skills. But will they let him do it right? And we see what's going on there with the Bobby Lashley sisters. Don't get me started on that. But moving back to Eli Drake. Like it'd be a big departure for Impact Wrestling. But as I said before. I said this when Bobby Lashley left. I said it when EC3 left. The beat rolls on. The beat would roll on. And as I said with EC3 and Bobby Lashley, I said that Brian Cage is going to take it and roll on with it. Austin Aries is here. And there are plenty of wrestlers there to keep the beat rolling on. Impact Wrestling will be just fine, as I said before, when Bobby Lashley and EC3 left. Now, with all that being said, this doesn't mean that Eli Drake is leaving. It means that he's just, you know, testing the waters and he has the right to do so. To be honest, I hope he goes back to Impact Wrestling. I think there's some unfinished business there, some unfinished feuds that I'd like to see him get into. He's a fantastic worker, an even better talker, and I, I honestly, wherever he goes, I wish the best for him. So, moving on here, we're going to move on to uh, Enzo Amore. Look, to be quite honest with y'all, I had the mind, and I switched my mind all more than long. I had the mind to say, to come on here and say, go away, and then move on to the next subject off of Enzo Amari. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sit down and discuss it. So Enzo Amari came out with this rap video, this rap song, going back at wrestling fans, going back at his accuser, and... Like it just didn't sit well with me. 
But first of all, he has a guy on his couch that's supposedly in his basement or wherever. And he's stereotyping wrestling fans. Look, first of all, that's a shame because there were people actually rocking with Enzo throughout all of this. Not me. I mean, I was at the standpoint of saying that I didn't have an opinion either way. I was just going to sit back and I was going to let things play out and I was just going to see what happens. But there were people out there, wrestling fans, that were saying that, Oh no, Enzo's name's getting drug in the mud. I don't like this. And they were rocking for Enzo. And while Enzo while Enzo did get off on the case, does it prove that he's 100% a, a legitimate 100% innocent? No, it doesn't. But the case was dropped. And you would think that Enzo would just leave it at that. But no. Not only did he not leave it at that, he came at wrestling fans right at the beginning of his rap video and like he just threw away all of the goodwill that he had with those people that was rocking with him. So like like in my opinion you stereotype one wrestling fan you stereotype us all. It don't matter what opinions that you have in wrestling. I follow a lot of people on Twitter that have the polar opposite of wrestling opinions that I have but at the end of the day, I respect them because that's just their opinion. Sure, it was people that said that Enzo was guilty and that he just needed to go away. Sure, but you don't need to stereotype and bash all wrestling fans because of what some people said. So moving on, of course, he took shots at his accuser during the rap song. Like, if your big idea is to have a rap career after all of this, why not, when this case is over, why not just let it blow all over, let it blow over, you was innocent, or in the, in the court of law at, at the least, why not let it blow over and make you an actual rap song, if you're gonna go with having a rap career, leave all of this alone, this could have been left in the blinders, but no, it's the one to drag it back up. And uh, it's just not a smart career move, in my opinion. I mean, uh, looking at the rap song itself, eh, the beat was nice, but eh, I'm not even—I'm not all that into Enzo as a rapper. But if he was going gonna do that from the start, why not just have a rap song? Period. That would have came off a whole lot better than what it ever it was that he came up with. So, uh, moving on, and before I got into this podcast. I looked up and I saw a story that said that Enzo claims that he didn't know about the allegations before it, it, it went public. So I, Enzo is just throwing away all of the goodwill that he had left. Any speck, any little bit of goodwill that he had left, he just threw it all away amongst pretty much all of wrestling fans. So moving on, we're going to move to John Cena. And no, I'm not talking about John Cena and Nikki Bella. Oh, they're back together. And they, they broke up and they're back together. What a miraculous story. How did it turn for the better? And oh my goodness, get out of here with that. Stop working people for a relationship. Stop working people for ratings on Total Bellas. So, moving on. What I'm here to talk about is the interview that John Cena had. 
in which he had a message to WWE superstars that complained about their standing in the company. Here, he talked about his recent match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania 34. He bemoaned that his WrestleMania moment was to spend time in the crowd. And he doesn't understand why people often say, what's in it for me when it comes to WrestleMania or when it comes to WWE at all? Well, what was in it for him was the chance to reintroduce a WWE icon. And he talked about how he had to stretch the suspension of disbelief to its breaking point to do it. Well, that's a backhanded compliment to compliment yourself, John. But he was able to do it. I was able to go out and defeat and be handedly defeated, excuse me, in three minutes and bring back an icon. He says that that is a message to any performer who is complaining about their spot or that creatively they have nothing going for them. Look, that's sure easy to say when you're John Cena and when you've been booked perfectly throughout your whole career, at least perfectly from the standpoint of making you look good. So, I mean, it's easy to say that. When you're John Cena, and I'd be interested to see John Cena's thoughts. What if they would have cut his legs underneath of him when they introduced the Doctor of Thugonomics gimmick? I bet John Cena would have a different opinion now because his momentum would have been shattered and he would have never been the John Cena that we come and know of today. And he talk, talks about guys complaining. And you know what? Most of those guys complaining, it's your fault. What if John Cena would have put over Rusev? What would Rusev be today if at the moment of their feud, when Rusev came out on that tape and he just handedly defeated Cena at least two out of the three times? Rusev only got the first win and then John Cena got the next two, which is a shame. Then Rusev momentum was killed. Now Rusev has built himself all the way back up to the Rusev Day stuff. Now they're trying to kill that again. So I... That's a left turn on that one. But Rusev is just getting the worst throughout his whole career in WWE. What if Nexus? John Cena asked Nexus about where their careers would have been if you had just let them win one match at SummerSlam. Chris Jericho and Edge talk about how Nexus had to win that match. Talked, talked about how they had no clue what John Cena was thinking. When he said that, he should win. He should make a miraculous comeback. And, uh, look, I get it. I don't hate John Cena. I mean, he's done some good things. I mean, he went to the, the United States Open Challenge. was a fun thing for a while. He put over AJ Styles. AJ Styles was the first to get, get two out of three victories on him in a long time. But then John Cena had to follow that up. With winning the title at Royal Rumble that next year. So, take that for what it is. So, I mean, the only people that say this stuff about WWE when when they say, oh, well, WWE doesn't hurt our people. They don't cut off the momentum of people. The only people that say that is the people that made it. Not the people that have had that momentum cut off. Like a Ryback. No matter what you feel about Ryback, at what point in time, the dude was mad over and... They just rushed him into a CM Punk match. He lost the match and that was it. Never the same. And you could go down the list 
of people that were hot at one point, but they were never the same. Like Kofi Kingston, hot, wet, hot, white, hot, blazing, fire hot, world title worthy hot, and then got in the feud with Randy Orton. Randy Orton called him stupid. Randy Orton won the feud. Kofi Kingston has never regained momentum. And like it's just so unfair for him to come off of his perch as one of the greats in wrestling that got preferential booking to tell guys like Sami Zayn, you shouldn't be complaining. Sami Zayn, the same Sami Zayn that's in the Bobby Lashley sister storyline. So I, I just don't get it from that standpoint and I think it's really unfair for him to say that. So that is it ladies and gentlemen. That is all the topics for today. We will see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. Let me know if you have any comments. Hit me up on Twitter, YouTube, whatever you got in the comments. Whatever you'd like to talk about this podcast. If you have any questions for the next podcast, let me know.